The following program is a presentation of Jazz Sports. Today on the return of the Two Minute Warning podcast, MVP candidates heading into their final games of the regular season, teams that are in the hunt for the playoffs, head coaches on the hot seat, and craziest moments in week 14. It all starts right now. Hello again everyone and welcome back to Two Minute Warning, the high-paced American football podcast that gives you all the news, opinion and analysis you need two minutes at a time. We're back, or well, I'm back. You uh, may have noticed that there is only one voice on this podcast so far and uh, that's going to be the way it is for Two Minute Warning. Uh, I'm afraid to say. Alex has decided he no longer wishes to continue with the podcast. And so, in his absence, you're stuck with me. But despite this long hiatus, the podcast lives on and there is a lot of NFL news that needs discussing. I'm going to get right into it with our first topic. Rumour has it that there are four veteran QBs closing out their final years in the league. Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. The question is, is it true? Let's start then with Eli Manning, who will be an unrestricted free agent in 2020. He's earned $17 million this year to mostly ride pine. He has actually come back into the game this week against the Eagles not a terrible showing. He went 15 for 30 for 203 yards and two touchdowns, but 179 of those were in the first half. Not bad numbers, not stellar numbers. I don't think the Giants are going to bring Eli back to get those mediocre numbers. And they have Daniel Jones to go forward with. They have bigger roster holes to address. If Eli wants it, I think he can find a home elsewhere for at least one more year. Philip Rivers, people have been all over Philip Rivers for his numbers this year. When you look back at his previous year's numbers, they're fairly typical. So far in 2019, he has amassed 3,748 yards, 20 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. In 2016, he was at 4,386 yards, 33 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. 2011, 4,624, 27 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. He's always had this gammy sidearm motion. He's always thrown a lot of interceptions. This is just this is just Philip Rivers. This is the way he is. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. My question is, if it's not Philip Rivers in Los Angeles next year, who is it? Drew Brees. Drew Brees' absence with the thumb injury showed that the Saints can win without him. This isn't to say that Drew Brees has declined in any way. But if the Saints can make any kind of playoff run this season, I say that Breeze exits on top. Uh, Tom Brady, I hope this is his last year, but it probably isn't. Dude will be around to lie, cheat and steal for a few more years yet. Three games left then. Who are the MVP candidates heading into the tail end of the regular season? Let's see if we can cover these guys in two minutes. Oh boy, this is Lamar Jackson's competition to win, right? You could definitely make that argument for the 22-year-old, especially when you look at Joe Flacco's play in this year. And remember the dire straits that the Ravens were in 
last year. He has made the Ravens, he being Lamar Jackson, the team to beat. He's probably going to beat Michael Vick's all-time rushing record for QBs this week, and he's on course for about 3,600 yards passing on the year. He's beaten the Patriots, the 49ers, the Seahawks. They've become the team to beat because of Lamar Jackson. It's going to be tough to unseat him as MVP. Christy McCaffrey's in the conversation. He's on course to finish the year with about 1,700 yards rushing and is pretty much the only consistent offense that's in Carolina right now. The only barrier to his MVP ship is that he isn't carrying the team on his back in the same way that Lamar Jackson and some of the other candidates are. A name coming out of left field in the last few weeks is Ryan Tannehill. Whether Ryan T can ask Jackson from the top spot depends on if the Tennessee Titans advance to the playoffs. Since starting week seven, Tannehill is six and one. The Titans were two and four before that. He's averaging nine yards a pass, which is fifth in the NFL. The team, the Tennessee Titans, is on his back. The question is, how far can he carry them? My last one is Deshaun Watson. He's responsible for the majority of the offence on the Texans. And while many people have him on the conversation uh, in the same way that they have Jimmy Garoppolo in the conversation, I don't think either of these guys are really making game-changing impacts in the way that the other quarterbacks, at least, in this conversation are doing. How did we discuss everything we wanted to discuss on Two Minute Warning when there was two of us? I'm really struggling to get all of this information in two minutes on my own. Uh, hopefully we can get back in the groove as we move forward. Next topic then. Which in the Hunt playoff teams are the ones to watch? These are teams not currently in the playoffs, not in the six spots in the AFC and the NFC. Two minutes on the clock. First up, we've got the Rams, who started 3-0, then lost three straight, and have just generally been inconsistent across the year. They've had their struggles, but they have won their last two matches. At eight and five, they're still very much in the hunt, but I think the Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks hold the key to their playoff run, and I think the Seahawks keep them out. They're definitely worth watching, though. The Tennessee Titans are rolling, and they have two ways to get in. The AFC South is still very much up for grabs, and they can beat a very beatable Texans team not once, but twice in the next few weeks. Doing so will win them the AFC South, but if they can't do that and they win at least one of those Texans games and the other game that they have, I think a wildcard spot is still up for grabs for them. The Chicago Bears. My Monsters of the Midway seem to have found their feet despite injuries across the board. Assuming the Bears can beat the Packers and the Vikings, it puts them at 9-7. and seven. 10-6 and six if they're able to beat the Chiefs. It's a tall ask, but it's not impossible now that Trubisky has remembered which sport he's playing. My last team to watch are the Philadelphia Eagles. Bear with me. The Eagles have the easiest schedule of any of the teams in the hunt. They're facing three divisional opponents, none of whom have a winning record in the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins. Recurring injuries to Alshon Jeffrey may stifle their offense, but I reckon they might still find a way to win the dumpster fire NFC East. 
in with time to spare. How about that? Maybe I'm finding my groove after all. Next topic. With Ron Rivera already fired, which other coaches are on the hot seat at the end of this season? The obvious one, off the bat, is Jason Garrett. A team with the talent roster of the Cowboys cannot be 6-7 and seven at this stage of the season. There are top prospects to replace him from college who would gel with Jerry Jones' system and the Cowboys organisation in general. Uh, two names that jump to mind are Urban Meyer and Lincoln Riley. I think that Garrett is Dunsville in Dallas. It's just a case of waiting to get to the end of the season. Doug Marone in Jacksonville. I feel like Doug Marone has been there a lot longer than the three years that uh, apparently he has been, uh, but it just isn't working out. Similar to the Cowboys, this team isn't lacking in talent, but the wins just are not coming. Find someone who can put the team on Gardner Minshew's back and run. Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons. Teams have found the formula to what Atlanta is peddling. He started 21-14 and 14 when he began his tenure at the Falcons, but since then he's been 22-25. and 25. He's already fired most of his staff and leaves really only himself to take the fall when Atlanta don't make the playoffs again. Pat Shermer, Giants. The Giants proved on Monday night that their troubles extend far and wide. This falls mostly on GM Dave Gettleman, but I think that Pat Shermer becomes a casualty of a complete rebuild in New York. Freddie Kitchens, same as Dallas. There's too much talent to them for them to be that bad. Not only has Kitchens failed to get it done on the field, but moments like the Miles Garrett helmet banging show has shown that the culture in Cleveland is all wrong too. Get him gone. Adam Gase. Do or Adam Gase. I don't really need to elaborate, but my time is up. Honourable mention for Matt Nagy, who escaped my critique because of the clock. Week 14 in the NFL was a little nuts. What was the craziest moment in week 14 of the NFL season? To start with, there were a few losses by teams that you just you couldn't help but scratch your head at them. Most of all was the Houston Texans. How do you beat the New England Patriots one week and then turn around and lose to the Denver Broncos the next? Like, is Drew Locke that good? I don't know. The Saints and 49ers combined for nearly 100 points on Sunday. We know how good their offences are, but they're supposed to also have top-draw defences. This game could have been a preview of the NFC Championship game, but you and I both know that in a return game on primetime television, it would end up being a defensive 6-3 to three struggle. We're not going to get a game like that again in this season, I don't think. The biggest shock for my money is that the Kansas City Chiefs almost had to forfeit their game Sunday night against the New England Patriots because their equipment was sent to the wrong city. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Chiefs just forgot to take one of their containers off the plane when it landed in Boston, and it went on to Newark, New Jersey. It arrived just in time, and the Chiefs still won, so there we have it, I guess. The Chiefs can do everything wrong and somehow still 
come out and beat one of the best teams in the league. Pat Mahomes clearly is a wunderkind. Not to put too fine a point on it, but it's kind of crazy and also kind of really gratifying that the Patriots have lost their last two games straight to the Houston Texans and to the Kansas City Chiefs. Teams who are good, but not necessarily better than the Patriots. I wonder if there is a fall from grace in New England right now. Moving on then. Was Le'Veon Bell wrong to go bowling when he was too sick to play in Sunday's game versus Miami? So for those who missed this story, first of all, Le'Veon Bell, the running back for the New York Jets, missed the game Sunday with the flu. And on Tuesday, he confirmed a report that on Saturday night, he was at a New Jersey bowling alley. And in fact, the running back proudly told reporters that he bowled a 251, calling it a career high. (sighs) This is not a good look for Lev Bell after the controversy that he dragged with him after holding out for a year in Pittsburgh. He really needs to be on his best behaviour and show all of his detractors, especially those within his own organisation, that he wants to be there. And okay, he had the flu. He wasn't going to play in the game. He'd already been declared out. But shouldn't you be doing your best to get better? If you've got the flu and you're missing a game because of it, then you should be staying in bed, making sure that you are ready for your next week's game. If I'm not mistaken, the Jets play on Thursday night this week, so that's a limited number of days to get better. Think about this from a real-world perspective. If I called in sick on Friday for my job on Sunday and then was pictured out on Saturday night bowling with my friends, I think I would probably be fired on the spot. And rightfully so. If I'm too sick to work, I am too sick to go out bowling with my mates. It's that simple. Apparently he will not face punishment from Adam Gase, the head coach of the New York Jets. And that's just another reason why Adam Gase shouldn't be the head coach of the New York Jets either. Here's a topic I didn't think I would be discussing again. Does another Spygate incident tarnish the legacy and the previous Super Bowl wins of the New England Patriots? Short answer, yes. And it's well documented that I am not at all a fan of the New England Patriots and I I hate them, to be quite honest with you. But hear me out. First of all, this needs to be proven first, that they did, in fact, spy or film the sideline of the Cincinnati Bengals in order to try and gain an advantage. The smart money says that they didn't do that, okay? I'm not an idiot. It seems very clear that this was an innocent accident trying to film some content for their do-your-job show. But at the same time, how stupid do you have to be within the organisation to film the sideline of another team, given the the track record that you have, given that you were previously proven to have cheated and filmed the sideline of another team 
in order to gain an advantage, see their signals, learn how they function, all that kind of stuff. It just boggles the mind. The Patriots have submitted the footage to the league and now they need to open up their organisation. They need to give out emails, text messages, all that kind of stuff and prove that there was no collusion within the organisation to gain this footage for an advantage. If they do that and they're transparent and as an organisation they hand over all their emails, their mobile phones, all that kind of stuff, then it's all good. But they've got a track record through Deflategate of destroying mobile phone equipment to hide evidence. If they are transparent, they can maintain their legacy. If they botch this, then yeah, I think it does start to bring into question whether their championships were won fairly. I rambled on a little bit there, but I could talk about how corrupt the Patriots are all day. But we still have one more topic to discuss on today's episode. The last topic of the day sidesteps from the NFL into the college ranks as we discuss the Heisman candidates, the guys eligible to win the Heisman Trophy this coming weekend. Let's take our last two minutes and have a look at these prospects. First of all, let's take a look at the prospects. LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, and Ohio State defensive end Chase Young. They'll all be invited to New York this weekend, this Saturday night in fact, for the Heisman Trophy announcement. Now unfortunately the first thing that I'm going to do in this conversation is eliminate the only defensive player. And as much as I love Chase Young and what he's done for Ohio State, unfortunately that's the way these things go. The quarterbacks often get the bigger look in. So I'm going to go with the trend and eliminate him. When you look at these three remaining quarterbacks, I think it comes down to a competition between Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. Now, LSU are stronger because of Joe Burrow. There has been an argument that he might be the best college quarterback that LSU has ever seen. And he's a senior, so this is his last opportunity to win the Heisman Trophy. Likewise, Jalen Hurts is a senior his last opportunity to win the trophy. I don't think, therefore, that Justin Fields gets his look in in this competition. There is going to be opportunity for Justin Fields to win again, barring him declaring eligible early and going up to the NFL. Jalen Hurts' story of playing across a multitude of different teams is very compelling. It's only really in Oklahoma, that he has reached his full potential. And I think the coaching has a lot to do with that. Lincoln Riley has done wonders with him. The truth is here that this is much of a toss-up. And I think it's going to be the nuances that make the difference. I'm going to give this trophy to Joe Burrow on the basis that an Oklahoma quarterback won the Heisman last year. A little bit cheeky with my time there on that last topic, but I'm sure you'll forgive me as I find my feet again on this podcast. And with that then, this return episode of Two Minute Warning draws to a close. Uh, I hope that the experience 
of just me on this podcast is equally as compelling as it is with two people. Uh, Perhaps a co-host will surface as time goes on. I'm very happy to explore that option. It's always nice to have someone to talk to rather than just talking to yourself. Um, But otherwise, I will try and bring this podcast back to life for at least the schedule that we had running previously of one per fortnight, if I'm able to do more so than I will. As for next time on Two Minute Warning, I would love to have some questions from you, the listeners. We are on Patreon, and as we get back into the swing of Two Minute Warning, there will be some incentives to pledge a little bit to us each month, some extra content for you, but we're still working out the details on that at this moment. If you'd like to uh, donate a little bit anyway to support the podcast, feel free. I'm certainly not going to turn it down. Lots of equipment that would make this experience far, far better. Uh, Only your support can help pay for that. Other than that, the action in the NFL is hotting up going into the playoffs. I hope that you enjoy week 15 of the NFL, and I will catch you next time on Two Minute Warning. Thanks for listening.